it's it's so nice to have like some clarity be able to <laughs> be happy about my own life without you know thinking about when the apocalypse is going to happen <laughs> speaking of apocalypse <laughs> Damn it, we should have saved that for the... Uh... You gave me the fucking segue in the fucking... Uh, cold Damn it! Damn it! Oh, right. Well, hello, and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy... Max Lyon, what up? Watch Rob Cobbs and then record our thoughts and post it on the interwebs for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this Sunday after a particular announcement occurred the day before? Yeah, did something big happen yesterday? I mean, there were people banging on pots and pans and honking and screaming outside and cheering and I think something big happened. Maybe um, we all got our rights and fresh air back. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> not yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we got the yeah. hope for it back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, to a point, yes. <laughs> we there. Um, yeah, a, a certain Joe Biden is now our president elect, and he'll be taking over in January. God damn right. It's my favorite part of it is just that it's no just, more uh, no more or, orange people uh, eater. It's a it's a it's basically someone who's leading the country to not be embarrassed by. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. But there's so much work to be done that I'm also just like we haven't fixed anything yet. It's just nice to see that. We don't have a, a leader that's going to be extremely embarrassing. Just right. embarrassing back in the old way that politicians used to be embarrassing. So Exactly. And it, it, it's it's nice to be able to watch TV and like see a leader and feel some sort of respect for that person now and not feel embarrassed or like scared to travel abroad because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean... I think uh, Dave Chappelle's monologue for SNL last night, which I would definitely suggest people watch it if they haven't. Well, and last night for me, it would be two nights when this episode comes out. But it was so different from his monologue four years ago after Trump had won. Because that one had a sense of a, you know, we had talked about this personally before, a sense of a wake of like something. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. It had that wake sense. And then at the end, he issued, you know, saying he's like, he's willing to give Trump a chance and he's asking Trump to do the same for black people. And then, of course, two years later, when Chappelle released the standard specials for Netflix, he went, well, that shit didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. um, but then, but with this one, with the Biden election, he didn't really mention the Biden election much. He more mentioned how similar those like those who are poor and white are to the black experience at this point. Mm-hmm. And, and like, um, and basically how he, he said he, he was giving them 
and I'm not going to say the word, but N-word lessons. Yep. Um, about how to try to survive the situation that they're in. And, uh, yeah, he just, it was a splash of cold water to the celebrations that everyone was feeling and doing. It, it was, and it was the proper splash of cold water. We're just like, Hey, all right. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, come back. We, we, uh, we haven't solved everything here. Uh, and also I retweeted, um, a thread that was of what was happening in my uh, home, the town that I grew up in. I won't say hometown. The town I grew up in, Salem, Oregon, where there were pro-Trump supporters who were punching cars. Yeah, and, I saw that too. And being very, you know, and being and being self-proclaimed proud boys uh, in front of the Oregon State Capitol, and then Black Lives Matter supporters came over. And they even projected an image saying you're fired on the state. I capital. love it. I love it. And then Oregon State Troopers went there to disperse it. And who do they disperse the Black Lives Matters sure. left wing portion yeah. of the protest while not talking or doing anything with the Trump supporters? So, uh, yeah. I, I want to say now that now that shit's over and that I woke up with a little clearer head this morning for the first time in four years and mm-hmm. I have hope for humanity again for the first time in four years, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done being quiet because being quiet has led to the problems that we're facing today. So I just want to say and get it out there and clear the air now that it's now that that chapter is over. And I don't know what's coming in the future chapters, but I know this. After the shit we just dealt with for four straight years, I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on. I don't care what beliefs you have. You are entitled to all of your beliefs and opinions and thoughts running through your head. The only exception is there is no goddamn place in this country, let alone humanity, for hatred, for disrespect, for lack of understanding simply based on trivial, petty, surface-level bullshit. We're all human beings, and we all deserve the basic, fundamental respect of pursuing your own happiness. And the moment you get in the way of that, of someone else's right to pursue that happiness, that's where I draw the line. You lose your right to speak and have public opinions when it starts inciting violence and creating division. Enough is enough. You're free to have your own thoughts and beliefs. Stop making it so fucking violent and divisive. There is no place in this world for neo-Nazis or Proud Boys or white supremacy or any of that shit anymore. Let's move the fuck on and evolve. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you know, it's... uh... Is, you know, it's about having some humanity. You know, yeah. Being human. You know, one would say. Yes. Speaking of being human, we watched <laughs> Warm Bodies this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> a 2013 rom-com uh, that uh, is also a, a zombie flick. And uh, let's just jump straight into... Let's do it. Well... The stats. Um, well, first off, actually, before that, uh, I've never seen this film. 
This was my first time. I just finished watching it right before we started recording. I live tweeted my experience as always on at Bro This Dumb Pod on Twitter. Feel free to read my thoughts as I was watching it. Uh, this was your second time watching it, correct? Yep. Yeah, I'd seen it, I think, back when it first came out. Um, hadn't seen it since. And then, yeah, rewatched it. And it was, it turned out, I watched it, I think, I want to say Monday night. I think I watched it right before the election night. Because I was already feeling like anxious and stressed out from it. And so I was like, all right, I need, I need something to calm me down and make me feel good. So I'm going to throw on a movie and a rom-com sounds perfect. And oh yeah, we have a rom-com to watch. So I threw it on. And then over the course of the week, it was on cable like three or four times. (laughs) So over the course of the week, naturally I have it on in the background. (laughs) And so I think collectively I've watched it now like three or four times since. Yeah, I I on election day watched Ted Lasso, the entire first season in completion, all ten episodes. Mm. That's and right. That's right. I, str- I that. strongly urge anyone who has access or can't get access to Apple Plus to watch that show. It is the fucking best. It is one of the best shows I've seen in the last multiple multitude of years. Not just this year. It's easily this year's best new series, but it's probably my favorite series of the last two, three years. I can't think of another one that has affected me like that did. I like I'm planning on rewatching it very short or very soon. The whole first season. So <laughs> anyway. Uh Warm Bodies is a thirteen or a two thousand thirteen American paranormal romantic zombie comedy film written and directed by jonathan levine and based on isaac marion's novel of the same name which in turn is inspired by shakespeare's romeo and juliet oh which explains the balcony scene of course and of course her name being julie and his name Mm -hmm. being r oh shit i didn't make the connection to r but yeah Yeah. i like that (laughs) um i mean you could have been Renee. I, mean, <laughs> I, I personally like that. I, I think I think it was Renee. I think it was Renee. Yeah, yeah, that's totally what his name used it's, to be. It's so totally. unique of a name he couldn't remember it. You know, it wasn't exactly. something simple. So exactly, uh, the film stars Nicholas Holt, who was also the uh, the young star of About a Boy with Hugh Grant. Another. Oh my God, he was. Coach. Yeah. Um, Teresa Palmer, who plays Julie, Anna Lee Tipton, who uh, is also in Crazy Stupid Love and mm-hmm. other films, uh, Dave Franco, who who dies, also, yeah, who dies pretty quick, and I have thoughts about his character, uh, and of course John Malkovich plays the father. I'm pretty sure John Malkovich just always plays a psychotic John Malkovich. Every every time I see him, I just think of his absolutely ludicrous Russian accent in the movie Rounders, and him yelling, "Pay the man his fucking money." <laughs> the, I mean, that's just what plays through my head every time. Um, also in the film is, and he deserves a shout out, Rob Corddry. Rob Who Corddry. I, you know, there's. 
whenever he is in a film or something I'm watching, I'm immediately excited because I know he's going to make me laugh with the delivery of his lines at some point. Who that? Who that? Rob Corddry. I know. Who is he? Oh, he was the bald friend. Oh, right. Yeah, he's he's pretty solid. He also was in the bit. He also had a very bit part in Failure to Launch at the gun store. That's right. He had the thing with Zoe Deschanel where they had the joke, the improv joke about to kill a mockingbird. Oh, yeah. One of those, please. He's like, no, that's a novel. That's not a picture. Fair to watch is fantastic. Go watch, listen to that episode, watch that film. Um, anyone who says otherwise could eat a dick. I, you All know, right. honestly, like uh, since watching that and, and recording that episode, I've yeah, that I'm so surprised at how much I've warmed up to that movie. <laughs> it's because Sarah Jessica Parker gets a bad rap because of Sex in the City and how poorly it's aged. Right. And, you know, speaking of poorly aging, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the film was released February first. 2013 as far as worldwide um and the running time of the film is 98 minutes uh i it it seemed a bit slow it could have been 88 minutes and that would have been just fine the first half was definitely slow yes it was uh yeah i mean that's 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 gonna happen when the main character can't talk so right right um the budget of the film was 35 million dollars Wow. They spent $35 million on this film, which is surprising, uh, especially considering how they got a lot of, you know, actors who weren't necessarily well-known and so were probably cheap to get. So just like... I mean, it's probably just for the makeup budget alone. <laughs> yeah, I guess like makeup and effects and it's just yeah. and all the props, like using planes, like... There, yeah, I guess they, there were elaborate set pieces, but still, damn. There were a lot of elaborate sets. I mean, like, when you have to rent out a, a fucking dome stadium. Uh, like, did you recognize the dome stadium? I recognized what they were trying to make it look like. I don't think it was trying. I I would. I think they actually went there. I mean, let's find out. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. The film was shot in Montreal, Quebec, Canada in September 2011. Really? So the airport scenes were shot at the Montreal airport. And so the, what does that mean for the Dome Stadium? It's the the old Olympic Stadium. Olympic Stadium where the Montreal Expos played. Montreal Expos, Vladdy Guerrero, forever. <laughs> yes. God. Yeah, I, I kind of miss the Expos. I loved Olympic Stadium whenever I played, like, 90s baseball games. Oh, totally. I, like, playing in the Olympic Stadium was always the most visually appealing, even because it was just so fucking odd with, like, the tall walls and, like, the odd-colored stands mm-hmm. and just the dome aspect of it. And then the huge, like, plexiglass wall behind home plate. It mm-hmm. just – it was so different. It was basically everything that Tropicana Field wants to be, but isn't. Yeah, I liked I liked uh, the Metrodome in Minneapolis for that reason. It was just that one. Uh, that one fucked with me too much. the The baggy wall in center field. I'm just uh, that I could never figure out the 
like center field to right field connection. I was like, where's right center? I don't know where right center is. <laughs> yeah, it was a and super weird a, shape. But... And then there's just a big wall of fucking seats that are pushed back yep. in. Yep. That the ball like hits like Plinko when a home run's hit the right field. The only good thing about the Metro though was when Ken Griffey Jr. hit a home run over there, he could just basically hit a line drive into the seats. <laughs> yeah, it was such a short porch. Yeah. And then you got the you got the canvas roofing like uh like Montreal's yeah. where it's got that weird That was such a strange trend in a couple stadiums for, like For me if we're talking dome rankings, it goes Olympic Stadium, King Dome, Metrodome for baseball. Mm. Well, Kingdom definitely was the most logically laid out stadium. I mean, there's nothing like that short but tall porch in right field. Yeah. It's basically at the same distance as Yankee Stadium, but they actually raised the wall like, you know, like you're supposed to to keep some semblance of fairness. But it didn't it didn't matter with Kingdom Virginia. He was still upper deck and shit like like it was nothing. The, Metro, anyway. the Metrodome and the Olympic Stadium were always things that I used as references throughout architecture school whenever they'd say, you know what, like, this is why we have engineers, because engineers, like, figure out exactly how to make things stand up correctly. And, you know, especially structural engineers, they they design it perfectly. So, it you know, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. Like, we have structural engineers for this reason. They'll make it work. And I always point out, like, Structural engineers thought it was a good idea to use fucking canvas as a rooftop to to separate people from snow. They thought that was yeah. a good idea. And they found out there wasn't. So, like, what the, what happened there? What were you guys smoking? They were just like, nah, but the air is, like, real strong, though, you know? If we just put enough pressure, that air is just keep it keeps snow up. It's just like elements battling each other, man. This is how it's supposed to be, nature, dog. People used to actually complain about the pressure difference when they would open a door and start like when maintenance crews would go into the stadium for, for like the first time to start the morning. You know, mm-hmm. it would just blast them, and they had <laughs> so many pressure problems in those arenas, and it's like. You act surprised. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're all gone. Yep. Anyway, anyway, the budget for the film was $35 million. How much did it make in the box office? Mm, $120. Jesus, dude. Yeah, that's a it little made, high. Never mind. No, it made $117 million. Oh, shit. Really? You, I mean, we're almost we're at episode forty nine. So I'm getting better. I mean, have, getting better. So you just you've gotten better, sir. Well, fucking done. Thank you, I'm sir. Out. You've taught me well. <laughs> As I mentioned, the film was, uh, you know, filmed in Montreal, uh, which you know I, I I recognize the Olympic Stadium and everything else like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. I did too. That's that's a unique yeah. ballpark, and I'm glad they haven't torn it down. Yeah. So let's get into the film. I mean, as I mentioned, Nicholas Holt, he was in About a Boy. Oh wait, what uh, about uh, what about Rotten Tomatoes? Oh yes, yes, yes. That's an important one too. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, 
out of. Give me a second. As I pull it up. What do we got? What do we got? Pull it up. Uh, you know what? Open this tequila bottle and take a sip. There it is. There it is. That's the buddy I remember. I'm cheersing you from afar right now. Ooh. It's okay. I got Gatorade to wash it down, guys. Um, so, out of 208 reviews, what is its Rotten Tomatoes for? Mm. I'm I'm going to go risky here, and I'm going to say 65%. It is 81%. Whoa. It is certified fresh on Whoa. Rotten Tomatoes. I thought yeah. I was being really high with my rating. Uh, Jeffrey McNabb of The Independent in the UK wrote, Warm Bodies is an ingenious hybrid that, at its best, manages to be funny, lyrical, and gruesome. Um, while J.R. Jones, the Chicago reader, hey. he wrote, uh, uh, he gave it a bad review. Uh, it, no. The only, the only blurb that he gave was a muddled teen pick. <laughs> I just like that that was the blurb they used for it. Just like, like, like we're not even going to fucking find anything else in the review. Just a muddled teen pick. <laughs> um, uh, David Thompson of the New Republic wrote, this is a love story done with charm, humor, and tenderness. And Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian, another UK publication, wrote, this offbeat rom-com about a girl who falls in love with the freshly dead, unusually amenable, amenable zombie is a smart, or is smart, entertaining stuff. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. A muddled... Um, what was it? A muddled teen pick? Yeah, uh, they actually have another bad review uh, from Tim Alamensiak from the Toronto Star. He wrote, "It's not gruesome enough to please genre fans, but not nearly funny enough to be a comedy either. It tries to be a mixture of both and fails." Hmm, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. So. Okay. Well, but, uh, before, before we launch into it, let me pop open another drink. <laughs> My local Chicago-based hard cider. Not my what, hard cider, but... <laughs> what's that cider called, sir? Mm. It's called Right Bee. Like, uh, not left, but right, and bee is in the fluttery little insect. So, it's Right Bee Cider. Yes, which is actually... I mean, do you want me to go into this little story? <laughs> Give the 20-second version. Boy meets girl. Boy makes cider to woo girl. Now he's right beside her. Right beside her. That's the story they have on every bottle there. Max told me the long version of it. I had him tell you the short version of it. But it's yes. Fucking adorable. I thought that was cool. That it's called fit- right beside her. Yeah, I agree. I love that. It's It's adorable, but... And perfectly fitting for a, a rom-com podcast, I think. And and fitting for this film, because that's what R is to Julie. He's right beside her to make sure she's not killed by other zombies. Keep you safe. So, what did you think of 
R and Julie as the protagonist slash, you know, romance of the film? Uh, I thought they were, I thought it was a perfectly silly, cute romance. Um, you know, I didn't, I went into it with, I think, low expectations. So I wasn't expecting like a super compelling, um, you know, romantic chemistry or anything. I just kind of wanted to see uh, their relationship pasted upon this super dark, real world, well, quote unquote, real world backdrop. And that, I think like, I think that was to me the most interesting part was that you have this really kind of, um, you know, Shakespearean romance that's just kind of simple and straightforward and, and cute and silly um, and, and very unrealistic. But it's set on this, this very heavy backdrop of world issues and stuff like that and, and world themes and societal themes. And to me, that's that's when I get a little more drawn into movies to begin with is when there's multiple thematic elements playing together and overlapping like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me was a pleasant surprise where it was like I, for other rom-coms, it's all about the romance itself. And the romance is always isolated or, or at least usually isolated from the real world to an extent, you know? where we're just focusing on this romance and it's, it's, it's in its own little rose colored bubble that is separate from reality. And I mean, to an extent, that's why we love rom-coms, right? They're, they're, they're a suspension of reality for a couple hours. Um, but for this one, I liked that juxtaposition that you constantly saw throughout the movie where you have this super just unrealistic, simple almost kind of silly and dumb romance but on top of some really complex i guess thematic you know elements um so it was i i guess that that's the long answer for it's tough to isolate out for me just their relationship um which I guess I like, I like that. I like that they were intertwined with reality and with the real world around them and that they were still able to develop this, this chemistry, this connection, because that's, I mean, in reality, that's all we're ever looking for is like, you're, you're in this, you're in this world, you're on this earth, you're living your own life and dealing with the issues at hand while also just a simpler part of you is just simply looking for a connection with someone. What about you? I think for me to properly give my, you know, opinion of the performances and of the initial and of the love story in the film and everything else like that, I need to give my position on zombie films and just zombie narratives so, like, I've seen I Am Legend. I, I, I've i watched very few bits and pieces of Walking Dead, but I never really followed the show or anything else like that. I didn't either. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just a lot of... It, like, I understand there's a lot of zombie shit out there. Yada, yada. Um, 
None of it is like his interest interested me. Thought I Am Legend was okay as a film. Meh, you know. It's just, but whenever I think of or you know see zombie things, I mean, Shaun of the Dead is probably my favorite zombie thing. Oh yeah, and, that's and even good. then, like, I think that's fun. I think it's a good movie, but uh, it's more because of like the kind of lampooning the idea of zombie narratives mm-hmm. as well as being a, a zombie narrative. So it, it kind of fits in that nice little pocket. Um, but for zombie narratives of films and all that, I just, they're not my bag. And when it comes to like zombies in themselves, I think of my, putting myself in that situation and I feel like I would be like John Malkovich in this goddamn film or Perry where I would just be like, fuck these zombies. I'm I'm like, like, I don't give a fuck about them. (laughs) They're going to try to eat my brain. Well, because they're zombies. They're not people. They're zombies. Yeah, exactly. I am a very little to no value to these fucking zombies. So why do I give a fuck about a zombie falling in love? That's just, and so I couldn't get past that mentally. I just could not get past that mentally, no matter how much I watch this movie, no matter how many emo, distant, sad looks Nicholas Holt provided to the camera. I could not get past the fact that you're a goddamn zombie, and I could give a fuck <laughs> about you if you and I were looking face to face right now. Yeah, that's, I I hear you. I mean, that's, that's a, if you can't get past that it's like the rest kind of falls to the wayside and that's where (laughs) and i i feel like while that is a great metaphor for a lot of stuff in the movie which i'll touch on later but while i think that's a great you know conveyor for a lot of good messages throughout the movie if you can't get past the literal aspect of that which you're not alone in that dude like like zombies are it's kind of a strange it's kind of a strange thing to choose as your conveyor of these messages but i also get it and i get why they chose it i guess but yeah it's like if you can't you can't get past the literal aspect of that or you have you know a a subversion to zombies in the first place you're not going to pick up on all this extra shit it it's basically this is the answer to the success that Twilight found taking a vampire story and making it a teen romance. Exactly. And so this is the answer. They made someone was like, oh man, I just what if we like took Romeo and Juliet but like added zombies and made it present day? Let's right. write that novel. Oh hey, it's a big smash success because teen young adults will read anything, or at least young nerd adults who aren't out playing sports like me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dude. I know. I know. <laughs> I felt bad saying that, but anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good that you still feel bad at least. That's a good sign. I literally had just one pool of tequila. Literally one pool of tequila. <laughs> and now I'm the warm body spouting shit. <laughs> it's almost like you should have you know, your own podcast or something. It's almost like there's a reason I hadn't been drinking for months. <laughs> you haven't been drinking for months? I don't remember the last time I had a drink until this pool that I just had. 
During a fucking pandemic and election year, you might be the only human being on Earth that hasn't. I mean, I was smoking a shit ton of weed when I had cartridges, but I haven't had cartridges for like a month or so. So I and haven't you... had any. I've been sober for like the last month, a month and a half. I mean, that that says something because I mean, I've I've noticed when I've taken tolerance breaks from weed, it's very easy to like slip right back into something else where it's like, all right, I'm going to have, you know, a bottle of wine tonight because I don't have weed. <laughs> and it's, it's not saying it's an addiction or anything, even though, yeah, at face value, that kind of does sound like one. But... <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I mean, I wasn't going to say it. But, you know, it's just like you're, it's just an avoidance. It's, it's a, it's a coping mechanism where you're like avoiding the issues at hand and distracting yourself. So that's it. That's actually, dude, that's actually really fucking impressive that you're avoiding it. Thank you. And I'm also proud to be here at the reintroduction of alcohol in your life. I know. As, <laughs> as, as I pull up the bottle to take another pull. Uh, but, Goddamn right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like, so I just couldn't get past that aspect of it. And another thing, you know who I found to be the most sympathetic character of the film? Who? It was Perry, the boyfriend. Yeah. Let's, he's the let's most talk sympathetic about him. He's the most sympathetic character. He's supposed to be the dick-ass boyfriend you're not supposed to root for and like kind of be happy that he's gone. But he's easily the most sympathetic character in the film. I just... I had a the just to just to preface this to be honest now that I've watched it you know a fucking hundred times this week <laughs> I can safely say that I obviously thoroughly enjoy this movie so that's going to be obvious continuing this episode but okay the major the one major hiccup I had was the complete immediate dismissal of Dave Franco's character yeah, like like he fucking dies a horrible death, and he's just immediately written off. Like, like she's Julie's over him. Uh, then she finds out that you know R ate him, and then she's you know she takes a few moments to to process that and feel it a little bit, but then she's over it again, and it's like this poor motherfucker. He deserves a little more than that. <laughs> And then the movie tries to like remind you, like, "Hey, don't feel sorry for him." In the dream world, he's kind of mean to R, so don't right. feel sorry. No, that's not enough to fucking not make me feel sorry about this film. You didn't do enough there. Well, and then and then her excuse, her her major excuse, like I I get there's a lot more subtlety going on that they show us to like change his character or change our views based on you know on that character. But I'm just judging just from the female character's perspective, the female protagonist in the rom-com, her major reasoning was, well, he really changed. Yeah. He that's, changed. that's not an excuse to fucking distant. kill him. He kind of became distant. Like, I get it. seen a lot of death happen. So, ergo, therefore, this is the circle of life. Like, I, I get if that if that's your reasoning for, like, breaking up with him or, like, you grew apart and it's just not going to work anymore kind of thing, that's fine. That's totally fine. 
That's that's exactly the kind of reasoning you should use. That's a healthy reasoning. We grew apart. He changed. We're we're no longer compatible. Mm-hmm. But he got eaten by fucking zombies. You yeah. That's not that's no longer applicable. We grew apart. He fucking died. <laughs> We don't see a memorial for him or anything. Like, nobody cries over him. Nobody misses him. And it's like, oh, my God. I don't care how much of an asshole you become. Like, and why Why did he change? Like, that's the, that's the thing that's, always, that's being glossed over here. Why did he change? He changed because of the, the apocalypse, the zombies. So the, the, the real the, answer, and to be even more specific about that, he saw his father in zombie form yeah. was attacked by said father in zombie form and then watched his girlfriend who he said he thinks he loves shoot his father in the fucking head as the father is charging at him to kill him that's going to change you this poor dude needs lifelong therapy he watched his girlfriend kill his zombie father and then had a zombie eat his brain and then steal his girl. How are, do you not feel sympathy for said figure? He is the most sympathetic figure in maybe all of the films you've watched so far. It's easy to feel bad for him. I mean, I think for me, that, that takes me into a larger overarching discussion about all of the characters seeing the, the you know the backdrop of the the real world issues in this movie the zombies and the apocalypse or whatever and how every character has been radically affected by it and realizing that there is a deeper personality beneath all of those characters there is there is a deeper fundamental character there that has now been radically altered based on the real world which is you know what we all go through like all of us wish we could spend our entire lives being a simple innocent child about the world and just loving and enjoying life but when as you grow older reality sets in and it changes you it affects you and especially i mean applicable to this year alone and you know the last several years for that matter that's what's happened to all of us. I feel like it's, 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 it's about seeing beyond that, seeing the deeper, more fundamental character traits of a person beyond just the surface level. Like, Oh, he's an asshole because he, all he wants to do is kill zombies. Well, why though? Like when you start investigating his motives and why he's acting this way, you see that he is a redeemable person because guess what? He's not black and white. He's not just a piece of shit. There's reasoning behind it. He's human. And, I mean, we see that with uh, her father, where he loses his wife. And now he holds, you know, a, a massive grudge against zombies. Um, the only person we don't see that from, really, is her, is Julie. Where she's she's completely affected by it, of course, in the moment. But she's still very, you know, hopeful for everyone's sake and, and seeing the best in people. 
while I don't think that's very accurate, I do acknowledge that like that's the underlying message, one of the underlying messages that I like that they're trying to convey. It's like no one is surface level, you know, cover of the book interpretation. You have to dig deeper, read between the lines and see why these people are the way they are. And then you'll respect and appreciate them. You might not still agree with them. I walked away still thinking that that Dave Franco's character is an asshole. But at least now I understand why, and I can acknowledge that he didn't deserve what he got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and, and I mean, you, you come up to the big point where it's just like, you know, she believes in a cure. She still believes in like the greater good sort of thing. And that, and then, you know, these zombies do change those who held hope. Like basically if you hold on to hope, love will help, will guide you. That's kind of the, this, the idea behind everything in this film. Like that's right. the, that's what leads you to, you know, that's the destination. If you hold on to hope and have love in your heart, you know, you become the greatest form of human and, you know, survive. Which I think as an overarching theme, like the main theme of the movie is that's what I would label it as, is yeah, hope and love conquers all. I love it. I think that's amazing. And this country, like that's the exact feeling that everyone kind of has outside right now. Exactly. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not taking a chance on you being one of those that has love in their goddamn heart. If I'm looking at you in the eye and you're a zombie and I'm human. You get shot in the fucking hit forehead. That's it. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> that's why. That's why I say if you if you don't get past that, which again is not like it's not a bad thing. Like that's very human to like you're judging out of survival. It's instinctual. We're supposed yeah. to fear this stuff. We're supposed to to reject it and hate we're, it. And we're eight it. years in. We are eight years in. Like I have spent eight years killing your ass. I will right. continue to kill your ass. If you can't, if you if you can't get past that, you're going to miss a lot of the more underlying, subtle messages in the movie, which I think, outside of Dave Franco's character, I think is illustrated fairly well. The whole message of like reading between the lines and digging deeper and having hope, like you said, having hope and keeping the faith alive for other humans you know being acceptant being not not acceptant that's not even a word accepting Accepting. Uh, thank you i mean let's let's go to the kiss of the film oh we're jumping straight to that let's yeah because like because because it's gonna come back to this point that you know that we're we're both making here and like you mentioned not being able to get past things like when the kiss happens i just think to myself your lips are touching the lips of someone who's had human brain on those lips within the past week. Yeah, that was the other thing I like, couldn't get past. <laughs> the fucking kiss will never get past a certain goddamn grade in my mind because he, he has your dead boyfriend's brains on them. Like, just, I understood he took a shower. You had him take a shower. Cool. Good for you. It still happened. Like, you just... <laughs> and I, I know i know they i know uh what's what's her friend's name the uh nora nora yeah. i know she she mentioned it at one point like oh he doesn't even smell 
Like he doesn't smell like a, a corpse. Yeah. It's like yeah, but uh, okay, I get that maybe throughout the film he may have like showered already, or I don't know what zombies fucking like, do. Amongst, they're starting to all the shit he like he's collected over the fucking. But he's still wearing the same damn clothes. He's bled on him. Other people have bled on him. He's got brains on it. The dude is going to smell. Are you fucking kidding me? He wiped, whatever he wiped her with, like, it was, I think it's supposed to be blood to, like, save her when she walks her through the zombies. It looked like a mix of blood and shit. Like, it was a color that looked very feces-oriented along with blood. I honestly think it was the blood and leftover bits from when he was eating her boyfriend's brains yeah so he's literally wiping her boyfriend's brains and blood on her face to save her which is just a yeah so messed up like it's jesus this is not lion king simba type fucking (laughs) shit here this is goddamn blood from a former human and a current zombie I like I just I can't get past that. If we're talking this as a romance, I can't get past that. Like that's just not I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like it's just you know, I like to think of myself as open minded. I believe in gay marriage. I believe in, you know, love wins. I you know, I understand, I believe in they them. I you know, I'm completely for LGBTQ and so on ally rights but when it comes to zombie human love relationships i'm not there all right i'm just not <laughs> if you want to cancel me for that cancel me i'm just not there so well, the kiss gets a d because really it was cool that it was cool that he saved her but other than that it gets a d because he, he's still got fucking brain matter on his goddamn lips in my mind uh for me i'd give it an a and I to me it was perfect. It was the exact kind of rom com kiss I want to see. The only thing it didn't have, or the only thing it lacked from an A plus, was exactly what you just said. Like you're, I get that it's that you've moved past this and you see him as an equal now. But me as an audience, I still know he's a zombie, or at least used to be, and he got he's got brains on his breath. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get that he's supposedly clean now. That's the whole, like, cleansing metaphor of dunking him in the, the pool and all that. Like, I love that symbology. Not symbolic. healing waters of Lake Minnetonka. The what? <laughs> that was a Purple Rain reference. Uh, and the healing waters of Lake Minnetonka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Continue. But, um, but, yeah, like, everything else about it, I loved, though. I, I loved... The kiss itself, I love the build up to it. The fact that he saves her to save himself. that And then he, she also turns around and saves him. Um, then there's a, you know, a real acknowledgement of the connection. They kiss and then they pull away, acknowledge the connection and kiss again. Um, and, you know, and of course it's all on the same backdrop of like, you have this cute, beautiful romance between just the two of you, but it's, it's also part of the real world it's part of this larger issue and so of course as the kiss ends he gets shot so and then that's when she stands up for him and and protects him and so i loved all of that dynamic 
And then when he bleeds, it's actually a you know symbolism for the menstrual blood of a woman who breeds life. What the fuck? Because <laughs> it comes back to life. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I just took my third pull of tequila. You're gonna have to. So you can read to that level in a fucking kiss, but you can't get past the zombies to see the deeper thematic. Menstrual blood is inherently human. <laughs> Zombie bleeding is not. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> the point is, is that they were human. That's the point. Is that they're not just zombies. They were human. But, and they got yeah. converted into zombies, and now they're converting back. So it's like that whole message is beautiful. But I like seeing the group of zombies, uh, like all coming together and like realizing that they started to feel after they saw the hand holding between uh, R and Julie. That was a nice touch. I'll admit that for sure. Um, you know, but also that's partly because Rob Corddry is the fucking best. Like the way he gave, like the way he delivered lines in this film was fantastic. Like when he first sees Julie and sees uh, R and R is trying to convince him not to do anything. And he says, eat like that's, that's what he knows. Like it was beyond, it was beyond just like a funny, like he, all he could think of is eat like what he sees a human sort of idea. But more of like, a, that's what he's known the last eight years is you see a human eat. That's it. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, that's that's life. That's what that's what existence is. He was eat. a very he was a very necessary character for that plot. Yeah. And because, then because he like without him, it would have just been extra unbelievable. It would have been this silly romance that's completely segregated from the reality of zombies fucking wanting to eat your brains. And yeah. with him, he acts as like the devil's advocate where it's like, you have this, you know, hopeless romantic protagonist character that only wants to be with this beautiful blonde woman. And then you have the hopeless protagonist woman, hopeless romantic protagonist woman who only sees the best in this zombie dude. And meanwhile, you have his best friend who is the doubter. He's like, like you said, like he's all I know is like, what are you doing? Just fucking eat her. We don't, we don't save humans. We don't protect them. You eat them. What are you doing? And it's very clear and obvious that he's struggling with that idea. And then at, by the end of the movie, of course, he comes around. And that's a yeah, very well, underappreciated I mean, character in a lot of movies. He comes around within 10 minutes because he saves him. He does. Yeah. Um, and, but also when they meet under the bridge... <laughs> and you know R is like she went home and he he delivers maybe my favorite line of the film bitches man bitches man <laughs> <laughs> Rob Corddry is a goddamn MVP all-star all right and then and he's never I love that the camera doesn't pan away from him or anything it just stays on his face and he's just yeah. like sitting there for a bit like studying R and then yeah. he goes into he launches into like all right joking aside here's here's what I'm going to tell you like but yeah. first he starts it with puts his hand on his shoulder and bitches man, bitches, man. <laughs> and, and but like 
And then, you know, just the whole, uh, I, I just, I loved what he did throughout the film. Like, it just, it was great. It was great stuff. I He was solid. What, what did you think of the, the other acting for, for that matter? Like, like let's oh, talk the other about line, the other, other line I, I liked is uh, um, when she plays Pretty Woman when they're about to put makeup on. Oh. Her, she goes, what? It's funny. <laughs> like, if I had a nickel for every time I did something, and that was my reasoning, I'd be very rich. <laughs> Like I get that. That that makes complete sense. I um, now that you bring that scene up, I the one little comment I had on that scene was I liked now that I've watched it several times and read more into it, I liked the message of that scene where it's like, Yeah, out of context, that's funny shit. But yeah, we're dealing with more complex issues now. We've all been changed from it, we've all grown. We're different people. Mm-hmm. This isn't like college years or teenage years when life is simpler and things are simply funny. Now it's like, no, it's darker times and you need to respect that there's more complex issues at hand. So no, that's not funny anymore. Yes, our younger selves thought it was funny, but right now it doesn't apply anymore. We've grown beyond it. I liked that message. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's about all I got. What did you think of, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about uh, what is his name? Rob Corddry. Mm-hmm. What did you think of uh, the two protagonist actors? We talked about the very beginning. I mean, they were they were okay. I th- I personally thought Nicholas Golt. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Golt. Holt. Yeah. H o u l t just comes out of Holt. I thought he was pretty solid like i thought he stayed in character very well mm-hmm. and i was i found myself actually kind of impressed that he didn't break character throughout the movie like can you can you imagine what a fucking difficulty that must be to spend most of your lines and your acting on set as just a fucking zombie like you're you're trying to break up your speech you're trying to act you know, single-digit IQ and everything. Like, that's got to be fucking tough. And I'm impressed that he didn't drop that character within the first 15 minutes of the movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, to a point, yes. I mean, at the same time, that's just when you're filming a film, it's easy to, you know, be where you need to be as far as, like, character-wise because you get take after take. But I agree with you, though. He yeah. did stay in character pretty well. Um, and it was a proper, you know, elevation as far as going from not being able to speak to speaking in short sentences and so on and so forth. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, let's get to what happens after ever after on this film. Okay. At the very end, as the credits are rolling, they like implode the walls because the bodies are gone mm-hmm. and the warm bodies are turning. Love wins. Which is, of course, a, a beautiful yeah. piece beautiful of symbolism. Sim- yeah, symbolism and everything else, yada, yada. 
they're what in a fifty mile radius? <laughs> seventy-five. I mean, they're technically in Montreal, so what? Seventy-five meters are being covered so far by their camp and everything else. Yeah, like, if the wall is still in downtown, it's probably like yeah. maybe two or three, you know, mile radius tops. Like, do they have contact with those in like Toronto? I'm sure there's a shit ton of zombies and humans there. I'm sure there's a shit ton of zombies and humans in the United States. I'm sure the United States is probably all zombies taking into account how we've handled this pandemic currently. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'd side with you on that, yeah. I think the U.S. is gone in this movie. Yeah. (coughs) So, with all that said, what happens after after is they've torn down the walls and there's going to be zombies who aren't as nice, who aren't as friendly, who are, you know, bent on destruction like the bonies. And... Most of these people slash former zombies are going to die again. It is what it is. That's what the world is in this world. In this, <laughs> so what happens after after is I don't know if they last. I mean, they may last forever as, as a couple, but forever is a finite time. I'm out of time. Well, you know what? Nothing lasts forever. First of all, <laughs> and uh, you know they they. I feel like if you're gonna go out, go out happy. Go out in love. I mean, you're already living in a fucking apocalyptic world anyway. You might as well find a connection with someone. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so yeah, let's get to the verdict of the film because I don't think there's really much else to talk about. Um, well, I do want to. I do want to talk about what did you think of? Uh, I mean, I know you weren't able to really go too far beyond the the literal aspect of the zombies to begin with, but did you? Did you feel anything watching it in context of like everything that's happened this year? Because I sure I saw the I saw the parallels, but I didn't necessarily feel it. It was just I just shrugged it like, yeah, you know, a film making a point about you know embracing differences and letting love win and everything. Yeah, I've seen it before. But I mean, beyond even beyond that, like even a little more literal connection between the zombies and like our pandemic and all that, or like, um... yeah, I, I I saw all of it. I just wasn't affected to me. Okay, I just I had like it, it wasn't affecting to me because at this with this timeline. It wasn't that they were currently in the throes of seeing everything turn. It was that everything has already turned. It's already gone. True. So at that point, for me, if it's that far gone, you move the fuck on. That's, you know, and the rhyme was unintended, but that's what it is. So if it's well, that far gone, you move the fuck on. I, I would argue that they actually are moving on. They're moving on in a very unpredicted and positive way like you said through acceptance and through hope and through all of that like they are moving forward it's not like they're i i don't know i didn't read it as like they were moving backwards and trying to reclaim what they used to have prior to the zombie apocalypse which seems to be in in the back of everyone's mind this year especially all we keep thinking is just get through 2020 let's get back to the way things were let's get back to a sense of normalcy and it's it you know i think to some extent all of us kind of acknowledge 
whether we want to, you know, acknowledge it externally and verbally or not, I think subconsciously we all kind of acknowledge shit's not going back. There's no way to go back. We shouldn't go back. We don't want to go back. If we go back to quote unquote normalcy prior to that situation, then it's, it's just going to lead to the same problems, the same issues. So instead of that, you're moving forward. What are you doing? What? <laughs> are you unwrapping something? No. <laughs> you eating a candy bar? What is that? Donuts. <laughs> nice. From where? Hostess. Hostess. Like a back. Oh, 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 gotcha, gotcha. Um. <laughs> you tell I've been drinking for the first time in a while. I'm just like, I'm about I've been drinking. drinking. I've been drinking. <laughs> Dude, I started I started making like I when I go grocery shopping, I'll come home and I will make like five to ten pre-made burritos. Like I will take out the tortillas and I'll pack them and everything, and then I'll stick them in Tupperware in the fridge, wrapped up and everything, so that all I have to do is take them out when I'm high or drunk and just warm them up, and it's like my very own Taco Bell at home. <laughs> Because it's like, yeah, when you're in that mindset and you're drunk or high, it's like, no, fuck it. I'm, I just need food. <laughs> yeah, something is being ingested. Get in I, my I'm belly. Ingesting sustenance very, very soon. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I just, I, I think I, I enjoyed this movie simply because I guess this is skipping ahead of my verdict, but yeah, I enjoyed this movie simply because of. I guess the hope and the positivity it reinforced for me, it, it, I was able to connect it to our current situation in, in the world, in this country. And it gave me hope and it, it made me feel positive thoughts and it made me remember what I personally value in humanity and in people to see the positive sides, to see the good in people, to see past the, the surface level bullshit. And to remember that we're all human, we all have our own backstories, we all have our own fucking hangups and shit that happened to us. But at the end of the day, deep down inside, I believe people are good. And even if they are fucking brain-eating zombies, I believe they can be... I'm hesitant to say saved, but I can't think of a better word. And I, I just, I love that positive message from it. And I, I know that it's arguably, you know, hokily carried out throughout the movie or presented in the movie. But that is the my takeaway from it. And I love it. I love that positive vibe from it. So you would marry it? Well, considering I watched it a fucking billion times this week, uh, I think I kind of have to. Um <laughs> yeah, I would marry the shit out of this movie. I love it. Um, I'm right there with you in terms of the zombie stuff because, yeah, I've never been a big zombie movie person anyway, and horror movies ne have never been my vibe anyway. This is obviously isn't a horror movie, but, you know, it's obviously set on that backdrop. But mm -hmm. beyond that, Everything else about it, I fucking loved. The, the messages of acceptance, that love conquers all, that, you know, you have this, your, your own little world together as a couple, as, you know, you're overcoming your own, 
your own insecurities together and you're working through each other's issues, but also at the same time, you're banding together to conquer larger issues, the, you know, to, to participate in this larger world bubble. And uh, I love that aspect of the, of the romance story. I love the, the camaraderie message that is sent, the message of unity, strength in numbers, banning together, um, and, and above all, I think to me, one of the most beautiful takeaways from the movie is the, is what I was feeling the whole movie, but is personified in a couple of the final scenes where they're showing the zombies learn how to live again. And I think that alone is such a powerful message to me, learning how to just enjoy life again to just be happy to not have to worry about the larger issues at hand to to be able to just look up into a sunset and feel the the rays on your face and the warmth on your skin and just be present in the moment and enjoy it i love that message it's beautiful because it's it's fundamental. It's, it's universal. It's applicable to all people. We're all just here to be happy, to find our own version of happiness. And unfortunately, as you grow older, life complicates that mission. So every time there's a movie like this that shows just how convoluted and complicated life can get, but deep down inside, there's still a, a simplistic, positive, loving motive behind it. That's when it just, it fucking warms my heart beyond belief. So I would marry the hell out of it. Cool. I killed the film. Anyway, let's move <laughs> on. To... Jesus. Uh, like, so... You don't want to elaborate? I mean... I, I thought it'd be funnier if I just did that. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, killed, I killed the film much like if I was in that situation, I saw a zombie, I killed a zombie. That's what it is. Like, there's just, there's no getting past it. There's no, nothing like that. And if you want to try to dig deep in it, everything, like everything this movie did was, I mean, I, I agree with the muddle team pick <laughs> review we talked about at the very beginning, where it's just, this is, you know, an okay movie. Like this is a writer, a director who made like, once again, writer, director, never a huge fan of like writer directors, like working like that, uh, unless it's their own, like, unless they're doing like an independent film where they have to do everything themselves. But on like a big budget film like this, I think writer director is not the way to go. Um, and so in this case, I just felt like everything was just derivative and like, you know, very, at the very beginning, like uh, very surface level, like nothing felt deep to me in this film. Um, I mean, yeah, we should embrace differences. Yeah, we should let love win. Yeah, like all of it just like that's all common sense to a human who, to, like to a to a human. Like if you're a good human, that's all common sense. Cool. But like, but what it's, else but are you trying to say about these characters? And I never got anything. So. Yeah. But it's obviously not common sense. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in in 2020. 
Well, I don't fucking give a fuck about how they feel about like like that. It's not common sense to them. It's what for me. Like I'm watching this film. It's common sense to me. So therefore, I have. Oh, my own oh, God, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> like, so yeah, because because yeah. you can actually you already know that those lessons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it, much like you know, like last week with Destination Wedding, like I I knew that I was the audience of one that that film was made for. Like, this is right up my alley where I'm watching these people who are kind of just pissed off at the world being so shitty. And then they ended up stumbling into each other from that point of view and realized, well, we could make this world less shitty together. And so, and you know, they basically dig through their own issues to figure that shit out. And, and like, for me, it's more you, about you don't you don't see a similar message in in this movie with like let's make this world less shitty together. No, really, because it's like because the the zombie is dead, like he was dead. Like you're just you're like I don't think there's anything to like necessarily redeem because he was dead, sort of thing. And then also like what's like we we know that her mom got killed and we know that her dad is leading this whole charge again you know and trying to survive but we saw how flippant she was about losing her boyfriend who had changed like her boyfriend perry who watched his dad attack him and then get shot in the head by his girlfriend that he thinks he loves that is the most like human traumatic situation that we get in the entire film. Like that is the most human development that we get in the entire film. Right. That is the deepest that they go. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her past before the fucking zombie apocalypse. That's true. That's actually, that's a, I'm so glad you point that just, out. Yeah. Everything is just centered around how they've acted after the apocalypse occurred. And it's just like, if you were, if we're talking that the apocalypse has happened and it's already, it's already this far gone, as I've mentioned before, <laughs> that at that point, it's kill or be killed. And I'm not sticking around to hear about what this fucking zombie feels. That's it. I kill it. So uh, you can find our socials. Um, our Instagram is at Bromancing the Stone Podcast. That's all one word together. Bromancing the Stone Podcast. Uh, you can also find our Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. That's where I live tweet my watching of the films um and you can read those there uh and then also on instagram i'm at relusa 88 that's r-e-l-u-s-a-8-8 and on twitter uh i am at supermarket sweep without the e in super so s-u-p-r market sweep and then max uh you can find me on both instagram and twitter um on instagram you can find me at the lionhearted which is t-h-e period l-y-o-n h-e-a-r-t-e-d and on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore instead of a period, which is T H E underscore L Y O N H E A R T E D. Nice work. You did it right this time. <laughs> and so next week is episode 50 of the podcast. Damn so right. Anniversary we edition. It, we said it a long time ago that for the 50th episode slash kind of one year anniversary, we would actually watch the movie that our name is basically based off of. So we're going to watch the film Romancing the Stone here on Romancing the Stone for next week. So 
uh, the 1980s romantic adventure comedy uh, starring Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner will and it has Danny DeVito in it as well. Uh, so you're watching that. It does. Yes. Oh my god, it's been so long. I think it's it's easily been probably 15 20 years since I saw this movie. I've never seen it. I just know of the name. <laughs> like you I chose it. that name. I know. <laughs> I liked the name and I knew it was a rom com. <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea what the movie was about. I just knew the name. I do remember from the only, literally, the only thing I remember about it is I remember being fairly entertained. I remember not hating it. So <laughs> that says something for, a, you know, a 12 year old watching it or a 10 year old, whatever I was when I first saw it. So yeah. there you go. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be and, watching it. And do you want to do you want to do it in person? Or are we going to give that to let's the... let's see where COVID cases? And okay. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm like, I know we talked I'm about like, that. I, but I, Jesus, I, I love you and, and everything. And I understand like wearing masks and like severely brings the percentages down and everything. But I could give a fuck about any of that. I'm not trying to get COVID at any point. Like, I don't, even if I have a high chance of survival, I'm not trying to fuck with it. So, so we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, with, with the spike in cases over the last several weeks, it's just, which is going to be even higher because of all the celebrations of princess Mm -hmm. that were happening as well Mm -hmm. yesterday. So Mm -hmm. everyone look out for that. Um, Yeah. Fucking be safe guys, please. <laughs> Until then, for the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. Thank you for listening. And we will catch you next week for episode 50. Love you guys. <laughs>